Ben Shapiro here, and you're about to listen to the audio-only version of Debunked, my newest series where I dismantle and debunk a common leftist myth each episode in 15 minutes or less. If you like what you hear, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use promo code DEBUNKED for 20% off and become a member today. This is the only way to get the full experience. The show has a documentary feel with amazing visuals to help guide you through a plethora of stats and facts. You can binge the entire first season right now on The Daily Wire. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and use promo code DEBUNKED for 20% off. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, which is a podcast you really should be listening to. I know that every day somebody tells you you have to listen to some podcast and you nod and you say, sure, and then you don't listen to it. Don't let that happen here. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening even inside your own brain. Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest. When I say there's something for everyone here, I really mean that. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you, which sounds both useful and disturbing. At the exact same time, another episode tells the story of a cinematographer who discovered a lost city in the jungle and made one of the most important archaeological finds of the century. You can also check out Jordan's conversations with people like Leah Remini, Steve Madden, and Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Another reason to support Jordan Harbinger, the woke mob is going after him these days. The show has a bunch of diverse opinions and teaches people how to think versus what to think. So we should show him some support. Otherwise, only the other side gets a voice. If that's not worth checking out, I'm not sure what is. We here at Daily Wire really enjoy the show. We think you will too. There's just so much there. Check out jordanharbinger.com slash start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This summer, we're all going to be back at a lot going on. You're going to take a trip, or are you just going to be working from the office for a change, or are you just going to go to the beach? Whatever it is, you need a great pair of wireless earbuds. Whether you're listening to some of your favorite music or a podcast, a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears can make all the difference. You get crisp, powerful beats at half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycons look great. They feel even better. They come in a range of cool colors with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. And Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick, seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. They've got 24-hour battery life. They've got portability. You can take them anywhere, and they sound fantastic, whether you're working out with them or whether you're just working with them. Listen up. Raycon is offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. Here's what you've got to do to go get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash Ben. There you will get 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's such a good deal. You want to grab a pair and a spare. That is 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Ben. B-U-I-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com. Slash Ben for 15% off. That's buyraycon.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. The left constantly argues that gun control prevents crime. This ignores two pertinent facts. First, that criminals don't tend to obey laws, and you might need a gun to protect yourself. And it ignores the fact that gun control also removes power from individuals to band together to defend themselves against tyrannical governments. Democracies do have an ugly tendency to go tyrannical from time to time, so weapons in the hands of the population help guarantee against that, as the founders knew. But restricting the conversation to gun crime itself, the left generally bases its belief on two things. First, gun crime statistics rather than general crime statistics, and two, comparing non-comparable populations. The left argues that nations like Great Britain have nearly no gun deaths. That's true in many countries with heavy gun laws because there are fewer guns. But that also neglects the fact that Great Britain has far higher violent crime rates than the United States, which does make sense since guns tend to deter crime. According to PolitiFact, 
For England and Wales, the rate of violent crime was 775 per 100,000 as of 2013. For the United States, the rate was 383 violent crimes per 100,000 people. The UK had approximately double the rate of the United States. Also worth noting, if more guns equal more crime, it's very odd that the United States' rates of gun ownership have skyrocketed in recent decades, while our rate of violent homicide by gun has sliced in half. Gun sales around the U.S. shooting sky high. It's nearly impossible to uh, purchase any type of ammunition right now. It's in very short supply. I think it's not going to end anytime soon. Second, the left makes comparisons between non-comparable population groups, populations that differ in terms of age and culture, for example. The left will claim that European countries that are largely homogenous and middle class have lower gun violence rates than the United States. But let's take a look at Vermont. Vermont has the lowest incarceration rate and has always had the lowest levels of murders in the United States. As Charles Cook of National Review points out, in 2012, there were eight murders there, just two of which involved firearms. With those stats, you'd probably assume there are no guns in Vermont. Nope, Vermont has virtually no gun laws. Nearly three quarters of all Vermonters own firearms. As Cook points out, what we can absolutely say is that A, an abundance of firearms and a set of loose regulations do not inevitably lead to more crime, and B, that the widespread suggestion that they do is dishonest. Leia Labrescu is a former gun control advocate and data cruncher for 538. She wrote in the Washington Post in October 2017, quote, My colleagues and I at 538 spent three months analyzing all 33,000 lives ended by guns each year in the United States. The best ideas left standing were narrowly tailored interventions to protect subtypes of potential victims, not broad attempts to limit the lethality of guns. According to Labriscu, neither Britain nor Australia experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun-related crime that could be attributed to their buybacks and bans. What about Joe Biden's supposed common sense assault weapons ban? When Joe Biden took on the NRA, he got assault weapons banned for 10 years. So if you're tired of saying, never again, make Joe Biden our president. So that 10 years we had it done, the number of mass shootings actually went down. ProPublica, far from a right-wing source, found in 2014 that the 1994 assault weapons ban didn't affect gun crime in any meaningful way. Nearly all researchers agreed with that assessment. One of the most bizarre arguments that you hear from people in the anti-gun community is only the police should have guns. The reality is that what guns are for in private hands is to respond before the police can. The police can only respond if somebody calls the police. If, however, somebody arrives at your house and they intend to do you harm, many times you don't actually have the ability to call a cop. And when you're looking at major cities that are generally under-policed, the best available defense may be your ability to wield a firearm, which is why during the riots of the last year, there were a lot of people who were going out and buying guns and standing on top of their businesses and basically warning people away. There's some folks who argue that if you require a license to drive, certainly you should go through a bunch of hoops if you want to legally own a gun. Now, pretty much everybody agrees that if you have a criminal history, you shouldn't own a gun. However, if the argument is that in order to defend myself, I have to have the state give me a license, that is a very different argument than in order for me to transport myself faster, I ought to have a license to drive. The Second Amendment was written specifically in order to ensure that states were able to resist predations. That is why the language of the Second Amendment suggests that a well-armed militia being necessary for the preservation of a free state, the people have a right to keep and bear arms. The reason that the well-regulated militia clause is in there is it is a justificatory clause. It is there to justify. The goal of that clause is to suggest that you should join a well-regulated militia, not a well-legally regulated militia, a militia that trains a lot, like they regulate. 
they were called regulars. If you get together and you train a lot and you form a militia, then you're able to stand up to grand federal predations. This was the explicit purpose of the Second Amendment. There are some morons who suggest that the Second Amendment ought not apply to modern weapons, that it only applies to muskets. This is sort of like saying that freedom of the press only applies to printing presses because the founders never could have anticipated that people would be able to print things off of a computer. Freedom of the press was not restricted to the mechanisms of distribution of information, nor is the freedom to keep and bear arms restricted to the arms in common practice at that time. People on the left are constantly attempting to avoid the consequences of their own position, but the reality is that for many on the left, they just don't like the Second Amendment and would like to see it go away. But a lot of them will say, I love the Second Amendment. I love guns and firearms. I go hunting. And then the first move they make is let's get rid of assault weapons without any evidence that that will be effective. This day is the beginning, not the end of our effort to restore safety and security to the people of this country. The reality is the vast majority of murders committed in the United States with guns are committed with handguns. None of this makes any sort of internal sense. If they were just going to be consistent, they would admit full scale what they really want is gun confiscation. Ayn Rand once wrote, potentially a government is the most dangerous threat to man's rights. It holds a legal monopoly on the use of physical force against legally disarmed victims. That, of course, is exactly right. There is a reason why tyrannical states use as their first move an attempt to disarm the population. In Nazi Germany, gun regulations were high on the list of priorities. In Soviet Russia, gun regulations high on the list of priorities. Tyrannies are constantly seeking to remove all possible threat of resistance, which is one of the reasons why tyrannical governments are so often in favor of gun control. A lot of gun control advocates deny the possibility that we might need guns to protect ourselves against a tyrannical government. They'll say things like, well, could you really fight back against a nuclear armed force? Well, I mean, the fact is that small arms have generally been a pretty good defense against overwhelming power going all the way back to Vietnam. Guerrilla warfare has been a successful tactic since the days of George Washington. But the broader question is whether governments tend to go tyrannical at all. To ignore the history of governments going tyrannical is to ignore pretty much all of history. Germany was a democracy before it was a dictatorship. Russia, after the Tsarist regime, turned into a socialist democracy for a brief period of time before it turned into a full-scale USSR dictatorship. China was run not by Mao Zedong in the immediate aftermath of World War II, but rather by Chiang Kai-shek, who ended up actually founding Taiwan. Japan had a certain root level of democracy before it was a dictatorship. Countries routinely go through stages where they are democracies and then they slide into dictatorship. So the basic idea that you should never feel a threat from government is simply an evolutionary hangover of the fact that the United States has never been, thank God, a dictatorship. One of the great things about our constitution, of course, is that there is plenty of play in the joints when it comes to how local officials address issues with regard to guns. The general question as to whether the federal government ought to be involved in the gun issue at all is basically obviated by the Constitution, but the federal Constitution was never actually meant to apply to the states. So if you wanted a locality that really didn't like guns, theoretically you could have that locality. Now there have been some experiments along these lines. It turns out that if you ban guns in a particular community and everybody knows the guns are banned, you know where criminals are more likely to rob a house. However, if everybody in the community has a gun, you know where criminals don't actually want to rob a house in the middle of the night? One of the big talking points people on the right use, of course, is the idea that Chicago has heavy gun regulations, and yet gun deaths continue to be extraordinary in Chicago. The same thing is true of Washington, D.C., for example. And it keeps getting worse. The left will suggest that this is because people in Chicago go to the outlying areas, they purchase their guns, they bring them back to Chicago. If we could just shut down gun sales in the entire general region, then you wouldn't have murder in Chicago. This ignores the fact there are plenty of places, like these exact towns, where people buy guns and don't kill each other. The real problem in Chicago is lack of policing. 
The best argument that I've heard with regard to gun control is typically the argument that there are some guns that are so inherently dangerous with no alternative purpose that there is no rationale for anybody owning them. This would be the argument, for example, against people owning full-scale machine guns. Even the NRA sort of agrees with that position. The problem is when you extend that to a normal rifle, an AR-15, to a normal handgun, when you extend that to a revolver, the logic ceases to hold. A lot of people are worried about security at schools. Many are concerned that if you ban guns in the broader community, then maybe this will increase security at the schools themselves. That, of course, is pretty ridiculous. Most of the cases of school shootings that we've seen are people who have either violated the law in some way and obtained their gun illegally, or alternatively, obtained their gun legally and then violated the law to go into the school in the first place. Once again, criminals generally do not actually follow the law. Security at schools can be improved pretty easily. You need armed guards at schools. In Jewish day schools, every major Jewish day school in America, at least in the Orthodox community, has serious security standing outside. There's no reason we can't have the same thing at schools around the country. If you want a job creation program, that would be a job creation program. Many on the left believe that if you get rid of guns, you create a safer society. And to a certain extent, you sort of understand the logic. If guns are used to shoot people, what if there just were no guns? Sort of like they're arguing about nuclear weapons. If you don't want to go to nuclear war, what if you just get rid of all the nuclear weapons? Well, it's pie in the sky in both situations. The, the idea that you're going to cleanse a society like the United States, in which there are over 300 million guns in circulation, of those guns, and this will generally lower the crime rate, is not supported by the data. This is uh, just the same scenario, a return to just what happened before. I know this has been a hobby horse of mine for a long time. Six years ago, it was guns. Five years ago, it was guns. Four years ago, it was guns. Last night, it was guns. This morning, it was guns. And right now, it's guns. The president is absolutely committed to keeping his promise that we will act, and we will act in a way that is designed, even if, as he says, we could only save one life. We have to take action. One of the weirdest things about American public opinion with regard to guns is that it's so conflicting. So every time there's a shooting and it gets a lot of media coverage, people will say, we are very much in favor of gun regulations. And then, as soon as you ask them, how about this specific gun regulation? They're like, nope, not interested in that one. Every great society is going to face, for the foreseeable future, these incredible tensions between our freedom and our abuse of our freedom. The reality is that guns in the hands of a bad person are a weapon that can be used for bad things. And guns in the hands of a good law-abiding person are weapons that can be used for good purpose. Guns are, like most other inanimate objects, tools. What really matters is who wields them. Active threat, 1900. In the video, you see the gunman there wearing a dark hoodie sitting in the back pew. He then gets up, walks to the back, and then pulls out a long gun. Over 200 parishioners were in attendance, including 71-year-old Jack Wilson. I don't feel like I'm a hero. I was doing what I needed to do to protect the people of the congregation. Wilson, who is in charge of church security, pulls out his own gun, fires a single shot, and kills the gunman before he could harm anyone else. As somebody who's frequently threatened, I do own firearms. I don't own them because I go hunting or because I enjoy target shooting. Really not my thing. But I do own enough guns to protect myself and protect my family. It's guns, 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 guns.
Okay, folks, if you enjoyed that audio-only version of Debunked, you will love the video version because it's way better. This episode is just the tip of the iceberg. Get the entire first season available right now exclusively at The Daily Wire. The show looks awesome. It's got a documentary feel. There are some great visuals. Plus, you can get all my show notes with links and resources to all the data used all in one place when you're a member. Become a member today. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use promo code DEBUNKED for 20% off. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 